Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The story of Dr. William Horowitz, a preeminent pain specialist sentenced to 25 years in prison for drug trafficking, provides a window into an ethical dilemma of opioid prescriptions. Painkillers give doctors tremendous power to relieve pain, a primary goal of any physician. But this power also can beget some moral ambiguity as well as addictions and abuse and even death. Uh, the, the story that uh, is told in the documentary, Dr. Feelgood, is a complex, illuminating, and at the end of the day, a film which you really need to think about and the ramifications of how all of these things are going to play out and are playing out here in the United States and all over the world. And uh, we're joined today by the director of Dr. Feelgood, that would be Eve Marsan. Eve, welcome to Film School. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Um, I, how did all of this uh, come about? What was it that prompted you to want to move forward with a, a film about what is obviously, as I alluded to, obviously becomes such a, an important discussion in, in, in a situation that we find ourselves here now with, with dealing with opioids and all of that. What, what was it about, uh, or what was your window into uh, uh, this film, Dr. Feelgood? Yeah, um... It was a topic that I had been discussing for a long time with uh, friends of mine who are doctors, um, and they, you know, were kept coming to me saying how how they were seeing it in the field. You know, this um, rampant addiction, abuse, people coming to them wanting painkillers, and of course, you know, we see it so often in the headlines. Most recently, this week, of course, with Prince's death, yeah. which is really the latest in a long line of, um, of celebrity deaths, but also just, um, you know, the, the overdose deaths are staggering. More people die from opiates now than HIV or car accidents in America. Um, so it was a topic that was definitely on my mind, but it wasn't until I read um, a magazine profile of a doctor who had been targeted by the government for over-prescribing these pills that I thought to myself that this could be an interesting film here because the story had never really been told from the doctor's point of view before. So if you're a doctor, um, of course you want to help people, and if people come to you and they're in pain, these drugs are an amazing resource. Um, on the other hand, you know, of course they can lead to addiction, abuse, destruction. Um, so the doctor finds himself in a tough position of knowing how and when to be able to safely and ethically give these medicines. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> as a, as a, a, you put in the uh, in the notes on the film, um, um, let me get this correct. Is he a compassionate doctor or a reckless drug trafficker? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and 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 by the way, I don't think I did a good job of explaining to our listeners that. Uh, what I what's one of the best things about uh, Doctor Feelgood is you have such an even-handed approach to this, and that's why a question like this: Is he in fact a doctor of conscience, or does he is he reckless? And and the ramifications of it. and 
and that is the essence of this the of what what is happening today you're right we now possess this ability to alleviate pain one of the great um one of the great uh tragedies if you will about being a human being is, is that we sometimes cannot alleviate that constant unremitting sense of uh of pain and so here we are um so you just so you've obviously you're mulling this around uh, and you have friends who are in the medical profession. So, um, who was yeah. so? And how was your approach to Doctor uh, William Horowitz? What what was your pitch to him, and, and how receptive was he initially? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, as you say, we we always knew we wanted to make a balanced film of this. So, um, I came to him, came to Doctor Horowitz, pretty straightforward, and said, you know, I want I want to tell your story. I think your story is is particularly interesting to me because of the ambiguities that are in this case, especially um, the testimonies of his different patients, some of whom say he's a hero and he gave these pills and he saved my life, um, and others who became some of the biggest drug dealers on the eastern seaboard in the absolute height of the opiate epidemic. Um, you know, there's a lot of contrast here. And... Um, and I, so I told him, you know, I, I, I told him I want to interview everybody. I want to hear all sides. And mostly I want to interview you and get your story. And um, I think he was, he was excited, frankly, to share his perspective because it is such an undertold perspective. So, um, you know, a lot of people want to make a quick judgment on, the, on doctors. Um, oh, you know, doctors are greedy. They're in bed with pharma they're prescribing these pills for the wrong reasons and sometimes or oftentimes that's not the that's not the full story mm -hmm. um so dr Hurwitz was great he was really open with us as filmmakers he also connected us to many of his patients the patients who support him of course um but he was also comfortable with the idea that we were going to be interviewing the fbi agents who had pursued him and with patients who had less nice things to say about him mm-hmm well, one of, one of the, again, great things about documentaries in general, great documentary filmmaking, is you can take something uh, and that is quote-unquote familiar uh, with the public perceptions that may feel like it's settled in some way. And I go back, one of my favorite yeah. documentary, yeah. documentaries in this regard was the documentary about the, uh, the older woman who sued McDonald's for... Um, for, yes, yeah. yes. That documentary was amazing in that in that sense that well we know how this happened and we know why and all the ramifications and such, and you and you start to drill down and and it's not that clear and it's not that it's not certainly what it was what it was sold to us as, and and in this case with Dr. William Horowitz, I mean he was the subject of a sixty minutes piece, uh, obviously a very high profile trial, headlines everywhere. Sure. Obviously he was a drug dealer. Obviously he was a man who. Was was reckless and all the rest of it, and now we see here in Doctor Feelgood that there's a lot more to this story. There's a lot more mm -hmm, that is mm -hmm. to, to be considered in it. I think that's right. I mean, I think documentary is is such a great tool for exactly that. I mean, it it's it's one of, I mean, it's a great way to actually see a person as a human, which is what we're trying to do here to to show you the full uh, human elements of Dr. Hurwitz so that even if you don't agree with everything he did, you know, you're, you're, it becomes less black and white, I think. And that's what I love in documentary is to explore those grays. Right. 
I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Eve Marson, and she is the pro- director, writer, and producer of the documentary, um, Dr. Feelgood. And what is a healer or dealer is the kind of the tagline on, right. on the film. Well, let's talk a little bit in general about this, this situation with opioids. Uh, um, that, in fact, this has been under the radar. Uh, Oxycontin has been, uh, we know from like people like uh, Rush Limbaugh that it, addiction is has been on the, in the national conversation for quite some time. But I don't think yeah. what a lot of people quite understand, and maybe more now, now certainly than it was just even a few years ago, that this particular scourge, and it is a scourge, is literally hollowing out much of rural America. It is, it is really bad. And I don't, again, but the statistics about how many people die. But going into this project, did, do you have a, a sense of how much of an issue the abuse of these opioids was before you got into it? Yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you, you think you know, you know, and then it's actually worse than you could have feared. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, the when you see the graphs of how the, the, how use and abuse and emergency room visits have escalated over a short period of time, we're really talking about from 1999 until present, it's, it's just shocking, um, you know, how this could have happen in in a burst like that and the part that's that's um that was horrifying to me now to learn too is that this epidemic has also opened the door directly to a resurgence in heroin use the pill the the medicine is basically the same so the substance the substance of the opiates and the substance of heroin that you would buy on the street is almost identical so for people who are getting these pills from their doctor and then for whatever reason that supply runs out it's very easy for them to turn to a dealer on the street and begin using heroin and we're seeing heroin now in places where you would never have expected to see heroin um, which includes upper middle class suburbs housewives young teenagers um, and it's it's spiraling out of control my understanding is uh, that at places like Harvard, actually, uh, opioid av- mm. uh, abuse has become a real big issue. New England, in particular, seems to be seems to have been hit very hard by this uh, epidemic, as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's right. But you're you know it's 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 you're really seeing it in in so many pockets of the country now. I think you know it, it's it's interesting too to go back into the history when we look at Dr. Hurwitz's story because we. He was practicing outside of Washington, D.C., um, which in many ways was the, the sort of focal point for where this began. And then you can see the spread up and down the eastern seaboard there. Um, of course, Florida has a major problem with pill mills, doctors who would just um, prescribe, prescribe, prescribe with, with, you know, only for money. And yes, as you say, going up into the northeast now. And again, going back to my point earlier about the film, it's not as mm-hmm. if the, you're, you're not as if Doctor Feelgood, the documentary, exonerates uh, Doctor Horowitz, uh, and he doesn't. No, no. And and no, I think that's right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he he comes across as certainly a very relatable, nice person. He seems to be genuine mm-hmm. in his in his feelings that it wasn't up to, and that's the argument he he uses. Is it wasn't up to me to make. 
a, a decision about someone else's life, they came to me in pain, and my my responsibility as a doctor is to address that pain and not worry beyond yeah. that. And um, is it? I mean, is that a fair analysis of, 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 of him and his perspective? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that's right. He takes a sort of moral high ground, which is to say, I'm a doctor and I'm only a doctor, so I'm never going to act as a policeman, and that's not something that I should be expected to do. So if you come to me and you tell me you're in pain, I will believe you no matter what. Um, which, as you say, in theory is sort of an admirable position, I think. And um, in my mind, you know, it shows that he was never acting maliciously. On the other hand, you still have to wonder, okay, if someone comes into your office with track marks up their arm, yeah. you know, maybe your moral theories are are no longer relevant. Um but I think, you know, I think people have different reactions to Dr. Hurwitz, and that's, and that's totally valid and hopefully part of this film's um, experience because, as, I, you know, as you say, we're, we're, we're looking for a balanced exploration of this, and um, I think there's no, there's no clear answers here. What has been the? Re- I'd be curious at, uh, the reaction um, to uh, Dr. Hurwitz in in seeing. Has he seen the film? He has seen the film, um, and he is very happy with it. Um, I think he was pleased with the approach we took. That we're not pointing fingers at anybody or giving anybody's story more weight over someone else's. And I think there's um, a certain relief for him in having it in having it all out there. Um, you know, this is a story that that he's been living with in private for so long. Um, and as the news is 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 today still so relevant on it and catching up, it feels like for all of us, I think a, a really important moment to bring his story back into the light. Eve Marson, I, there's another aspect to this. I want to sort of broaden out the discussion just a little bit because there are, there are the pharmaceutical companies certainly have a vested interest in, in uh, the uh, wide distribution of their drugs. Uh, there is a, and then on top of all that, and then we have all the people who make money off of that, off the drug companies and, and, and how these things are, are get into the hands of, the, of uh, patients and the public. And then we also have um, the, the uh, sort of cultural hangover, if you will, going back as far as the 19, early 1900s about drugs and heroin and uh, at one time was basically legal in this country, but also just the, the yeah. idea of sort of anything that it would, can do this is almost automatically seen in certain quarters as, uh, as a crutch that shouldn't be used i mean sort of this whole there's mm-hmm. the there's the money part of it and then there's this kind of cultural social stigma this is again one of the great yeah. things about your documentary is that you explore all these different areas and just touch on a little bit i mean what what in what area or what degree of responsibility does a pharmaceutical companies have in all of this yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they are certainly, you know, they can't be overlooked for their role in the story. Right. So they came out very hard in the mid-1990s pushing a drug that now we all know called OxyContin. And 
part of their push was to say this drug is not as addictive as you might worry about. And again, this is a push to doctors, um, right. doctors who are going to prescribe this. So they're saying this drug is not as addictive as, as you might have believed. Well, that's, um, that some was, of their promotional... That yeah. was based on a study of very small sample size, right? Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But that's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and we'll see this often in, in pharmaceutical or, or corporate world where a company or a pharmaceutical product will pick up on a very small study, co-opt it, and use it to their own advantage to push their product. So it's, here, look at this study. These drugs are not very addictive. This scientist proved it. And then the whole um, host of doctors was sort of run wild with that, um, encouraged by that information, um, which isn't in... Which is really misinformation. Um, So, you know, certainly that plays a a big a big role in the growth of this epidemic. Because if if doctors aren't prescribing it, those pills simply aren't there. So, no, you know, you can blame the pills and the people abusing them, which is also part of it. But you know, we have to always be honest about where the pills are coming from. And again, when you see those big rises of of the number of prescriptions and the level of abuse, I mean, you know, if those pills aren't out on the street, it wouldn't be happening. Right. Well, and we'll get, and I want to get to the other part about sort of the cultural part of it, but I recently, Bill Maher, I believe, was talking about this, as, as and it's true, uh, to, just to give everyone sort of a sense of just how much this is part of American society now and how how it is such a profit center for for these companies is during the Super Bowl there was an ad for people an opioid uh, diuretic. Apparently, when people right. take a lot of these drugs, they become unable to to on they're not they get out of a regular pattern of of that's right defecating. That's the best word to say I can think of. And um, so there's now things that you can take in order to counteract the the effects of opioids and this is like a, like he That's said right. and it's how a, yeah and how it's a super bowl ad i mean these are not cheap ads and obviously they felt strongly enough that there was a market excuse me that there was a market for this so That's right. it gives you Absolutely. an idea and how perfect for the how perfect for the pharmaceutical company that that they get to have yet another product to counteract their other product, right? Oh, here's this drug we gave you that you love, and by the way, it makes you constipated, and yeah. here, we'll give you another drug to fix that, right? Yeah, and I mean, and that's this is not the only example of just what we're describing, and that's another whole discussion, maybe a documentary, about just kind of this this stream, the, the you know, the downstream impacts, and now you take more drugs, and therefore, they make more money. It's just, it is kind of crazy, yeah. but anyway. Now, let's talk about the sort of the cultural part of you know, sort of that is fed from back in the 1900s and then into the later part of the 20th century into the drug war and the continuation of all that and all the kind of social, uh, religious, political uh, ramifications yeah. of people who take drugs. Yeah, I found this part very interesting to uncover in making the movie. I mean, they're, especially in talking to some of these pain patients who start taking these pills and some of them did fall victim to addiction and the stigma that is attached to that um, for them. So we, we have a problem right now in America where we view uh, dependence or addiction as a criminal activity rather than a disease, um, which is in many ways unfair to the person suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than providing them with the proper 
treatment, the proper, proper addiction recovery treatment, we're oftentimes throwing them into jail cells where they have to undergo a very harsh withdrawal on their own and perhaps aren't learning the proper tools so that when they get out of jail, they're simply returning to the drugs. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and frankly, even if you, some of our patients who, who weren't addicted, who aren't abusing these pills, but simply take them every day because they need them to get out of bed, they told me how they are looked down upon, not only by the public, but by their own doctors as addicts, as um, abusers. You know, how could you take this many pills every day? You must get high. So there is this very strong social stigma um, of, you know, if you're a person who is taking pills for any reason, you're an addict and you should be maligned from society. Right. Fortunately, we're getting away from that, but there is this sort of sense of moral turpitude if, that, that if somehow you are yeah, sure. relying on something other than, you know, your wits and your guile and, and you know, the body that God gave you, quote unquote, you know, it's sort of, there is all of that. Mm-hmm. And it continues to this day. Again, I do think we're better. I think the, the, the country, a lot of the rest of the world has come around on this, particularly in Europe and other places where, yeah. where it's treated for what it is. It's a, it's a disease. It's a condition that needs to be addressed medically. We don't need to throw people in jail for it. Um, and there's all the economics underlying, you know, the poverty and all the rest of it that comes along with people sure. who are addicted, all of it. And I think until we start to approach all of these things with a more holistic perspective, we're going to be constantly battling this sort of nonsense. Well, I'm, well, I think that's right. Uh, well, well, thank you. And I, I, the uh, the film again is Doctor Feelgood and the writer, producer, and director Eve Marson. I also want to thank you for uh, your production work on uh, Fed Up. I was fortunate enough to have Stephanie on oh, for thank that. You. Yeah, terrific documentary as well, and continued success in in this field for you. And uh, thank you so much for being here on Film School. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.